It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week, and things a little different today. I am on the 30th floor at 201 Portage, but Mr. Mackling has made his way to Tigertown. Good morning, and Oski Wee Wee to Hamilton. Hi, Greg. <laughs> Oski Wee Wee, Oski Wawa. Holy Mackinac, and I will not finish that saying because that would indicate I'm a Tiger Cats fan. Not a fan of the Tiger Cats? Uh, listen, there's only one team. We had this conversation. I was at an event last night. and someone I met someone from Winnipeg who's now living in Toronto and says, well, the Bombers are my favorite team in the West now. I'm an Argos fan, but I have... That, you can't have two teams in a nine-team league. <laughs> Come on, let's get serious. <laughs> So that That's conversation fair. didn't go all that far. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I know we're having some technical issues. We've tried about six different ways for me to connect this morning. I hope it sounds okay, at least for now. We'll work on uh, getting that uh, that normal studio quality sound that I'm used to having when I'm on the road. So uh, bear with us here, and we're doing our best to, to fix it. So where are you perched? Where do you find yourself perched Oh, you know, if only I could have the camera on here, you could see how I'm going to live for the next five days. I'm in my hotel room. <laughs> so uh, I just inside my room here. Uh, tomorrow we'll be out in the lobby and Saturday and Sunday we'll be out in the lobby. But we didn't get here until late last night. And our technical assistance, the uh, individual responsible for getting us our internet and everything wasn't here last night. So um, I've hunkered down in my room and, uh, it's working just fine. <laughs> All right. A glamorous road so trip. If you, hear, <laughs> if you, if you hear me snoring, Brett, it means I've just crawled into bed <laughs> and just decided that I've, I've, I've given up on the show. Oh, <laughs> I'm just no. going to have a snooze here. <laughs> you know what? That actually could be the worst all like possible spot to do a show now that I think of it, because the, the temptation of the bed calling to you, well, I don't know that I would be able to resist that. Cause there, that, that might be, cause I have done that where I've just thought, I'm just going to lie down for a, a, like a minute. And then two hours later I wake up and go, Whoa, that was a much longer minute than I anticipated. <laughs> uh, I, well, you and I both, Falling asleep, sitting up in the studio yep. at different times, uh, at, at different parts of the day, at my desk for sure. But uh, Brett, I hate to tell you this, there's not one queen size bed here calling my name. There are two of them. So oh, it's it's doubly dangerous. Can you put them together and make like a super a super oh. bed? Let me see here. No, I think it's no. I think it's uh, screwed to the ground, ah. or cemented to the ground, or something. Man, you just about uh, you just about made my day there. I mean, like I'm not having a great enough day. It's going to be a great couple of days, but oh, if I could have had uh, the world's largest bed, that would have been <laughs> splendid. So we have much to discuss this morning on the Grey Cup, including at 7.05, we're going to hear from some people who are actually going to inspire our topic at 6.45. But uh, we're going to talk to a couple of Winnipeggers who are make, decided to make a, a bit of a lengthy road trip out to Hamilton, yes? Yes. I mean, last year, of course, the Grey Cup was in Regina, almost exactly six hours from Winnipeg. I looked it up on the Google Maps this morning, and it, it came up as five hours and 55 minutes from IG Field to Mosaic Stadium in Regina. And it's over 2,100 kilometers from IG Field to Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Just a slightly different dr drive. So our uh, guests after 7 o'clock, I've been in contact with them. They were in Chicago last night, and they uh, just crossed the Ambassador Bridge into Ontario in the last 45 minutes or so. So we'll catch up with them, find out if this was a last-minute thing. I mean, I'm all well and good. Like, sort of the road trip and one shot to, to Calgary is sort of my limit. I won't drive all the way to Vancouver anymore. That's just way too far for me. Minneapolis is fine. Chicago, I eh, haven't done that for 20 years, so... 
Yeah, I think that's sort of the limit in terms of one shot, right? Mm-hmm. And where you got to turn around and come back. I have a couple of buddies who they they drove to Florida in one shot. I mean, they took turns. What? They took turns, but they they when they got in the car and they did not stop other than for like bathroom breaks or whatever or to trade off so one could take a nap but yeah it took them like 30 hours or something insane like that and uh they were just bound and determined to get there as quickly as possible with no stops along the way and i salute them and that but i that's just definitely not for me when we can get more into it at 6 45 but i i hate road trips i can't do i can barely stand two hours never mind 32 (laughs) so Yeah. How many guys on that trip, Brett? It was just two to of them. Florida, was it just two of them? Yeah. My word. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I'm sure we're going to hear some great stories later on this morning. That's right. At 645, we do want to talk about last-second road trips and tell you how you can win tickets to see Foreigner. So we'll pick a winner on that at 915. And uh, heads up that at 850, we are going to speak to a football legend, but on not... I'm sure we'll sneak in a football question, but he has something important to tell us that's coming at midnight tonight. It's the final deadline. It's your last opportunity. Midnight tonight. It's the HSC Millionaire Lottery in support of the Health Sciences Center Foundation. 95% sold. Would love to get the last handful of single tickets available. That's all that's available are single tickets. So go to hscmillionaire.com. Get your tickets online and if you haven't already done so, you can peruse the the six six of the seven grand prizes. It's kind of tough to look at the one point two five million dollars cash, but I think you can imagine it in your bank account, Brett. All right, I would love to imagine that. Uh, I actually had a dream last night that I won a lottery. So was, really, yeah, you should act on that. Or maybe I should. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. Greg is in Hamilton. What's uh, going on in uh, Hamilton this week, Greg? Um, uh, transit strike. Okay. Here to, here to cover the transit strike. And uh, they just announced yesterday that they're altering the route of their new LRT that's under construction. And there's uh, ah, some football game everybody's excited about. <laughs> Great Cup 110. Carrie Underwood performing tomorrow night. Shaggy tonight after the CFL Awards down in Niagara Falls at the Falls View Casino. We've got three Blue Bombers up for four awards. Brady Oliveira up for Most Outstanding Player. I think he's a shoe-in for Most Outstanding Canadian. That might be unanimous, in fact. Jamarcus Hardrick up for Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman. And Mike O'Shea in the running against former Blue Bomber quarterback. For those that uh, remember the 2007 edition of the Blue Bombers, who lost to Saskatchewan in the Grey Cup in 07. The coach that, or pardon me, the quarterback that day was Ryan Dinwiddie. He's now the coach of the Toronto Argonauts, who are not playing in this game on Sunday, but he is the odds-on favorite to win coach of the year tonight, Brett. All right, uh, just a road note from Warren, who says Highway 50 by Amaranth, so that's kind of like north of uh, Nipah and Portage Prairie. It's on the west side of Lake Manitoba. Uh, just sent a couple of pictures while loading and loading up, and yeah, it looks like visibility bad and some snow on that road. So potentially dicey conditions where you are under that snowfall warning. Let us know what you're seeing at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. We want to talk about passwords in a moment. But before that, uh, we did ask you, are you seeing shortages at your pharmacy? And what does Karen have to say, Greg? Yeah, shortages on drugs. Yes, it's happening here. I'm diabetic and have been on Ozempic for three years and was told we have to call the doctor, which which is okay. But their next supply is March 2024. They were completely out. They ended up getting it in in a few half-size pens. I guess that's how you, you take it. Uh, so I was given half the prescription to make it last, get this, twice as long. She said in three weeks we have to do the same process as there is a global shortage. And Karen sums it up with three words. It is happening. 
continue, and feel free to weigh in as well if you'd like at 204-780-6868. In our next segment, we'll tell you how you can win tickets to see Foreigner, and it has to do with last-second road trips. But right now, well, here's the headline at cjob.com. Canadians continue to choose terrible passwords. Does yours make the list? And the article begins with... It's no secret that 2023 is going down as a bit of a dumpster fire. So is it any surprise that people are still using garbage passwords? Despite being told time and time again that we should all be using stronger, more creative passwords to protect our online information and data, many Canadians are still using the weakest passwords possible. Password manager NordPass has discovered that of the 200 most common passwords used this year, get this, Brett, about 70, 70% of them can be cracked in under a second. Well, that's fantastic news. Now, on social media, NordPass posted, unveiling the champion of the most common passwords in 2023. Hint, what do you get when you combine the first six digits in sequential order? The answer lies in the most common password of the year. Yep, in Canada, 123456 is the most common password for 2023, followed closely by admin and password. All three can be cracked in less than one second. Yikes. Uh, It's not just a Canadian thing, however. A third of the world's passwords consist of purely numerical sequences such as 123456789, one, two, three, four, five, and get this, zero, 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 zero. The 20th most popular password in Canada, interestingly enough, is keep trying, which NordPass says takes about 11 days to hack, making it the most secure password on the most popular password list. Please tell me they did a survey, Brett, to figure out what passwords people are using. Otherwise, that means they know people's passwords right <laughs> I, I know it's that's a, that's one of the interesting <laughs> things about this particular article is that uh it's i mean it's actually good because if you're if you're using this the passwords that are on the list like for example there's uh also not not only is there one two three four five six there's also one two three four five six seven and uh there and even the word uh there's one two three and then the letters F O U R to spell out four and five six. So some of these are sort of interesting iterations of this. But uh, yeah, they, this is you should probably take a look at this just to make sure that you're not using something that's remotely this similar. And you can read the full article at cjob.com, and we can send you the link as well if you'd like. But passwords, um, we've talked about this before. How frustrating they can be because they're always you know, if they sometimes there's a, a forced change, or you might just not. How are you supposed to remember all of your passwords for the many, many things that you now require them for? It's a great question. I, you know, I love using. I prefer to use my my iPhone over a desktop, and so iPhone's really good in terms of it's got the face, facial ID and I'm sure your your phone has the same thing. And then of course they can create these strong passwords that they will save and remember that's tied to your face facial identification. But there's still some apps and websites where they don't really give you that off option and then you have to create a password and the most popular key for me is forgot password. Because sometimes I'll have to reset a password multiple times in like in a month for the same website because I just can't seem to remember it. And writing it down is useless because how often are we sitting at a desk and I'm not carrying around a piece of paper? Yes, I know I can put it in my phone, but it's almost as easy just to say, yeah, I forgot my password. And then that way I have to, I'm forced to change it anyway, Brett. So you can weigh in at 204-780-6868. Do you, you don't have to tell us your passwords, of course, but do you, are you guilty of using one of these common passwords? And how often do you have to change them? You know, they say that every password should be like not even remotely similar, but is that yeah. realistic? If you've got 50 things to log into, are you going to come up with a crafty password for every single account and be able to out and be able to remember it 
Not a chance. Yeah. Yeah, without a system. I don't know if you saw the uh, meme that just came across our text line. I think it's from Donna. It's a picture of Kermit the Frog on the phone, and it says, Hacker, I have all your passwords. Me. OMG, thank you. What are they? (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that, Deb. So we are, after Global News at 7 o'clock, going to speak to a couple of Winnipeggers who decided late in the game to head out on the road through the States to Hamilton. Last second road trip. So that's what we want to ask you about a last second road trip. And by the way, uh, Skyler Peters in for Sarah McCarthy, who is, uh, she went to the Kiss concert last night, going to Jonas Brothers tonight. So big week for Sarah. And if you went to the Kiss concert, let us know how it was. Uh, But Greg, last second road trips. You have done many of these, have you not? Oh, absolutely. I love to do a last, I mean, road trips, period, are probably my favorite thing. But uh, the best last minute road trip was one I didn't really know I was going on. Um, I had made my way to Vancouver to see uh, one of my best friends. This is uh, over 20 years ago. And the the Vancouver Indie was on at the time. I don't think they have that any longer. Uh, but it was a two-fold trip. My, my my grandmother was unwell. And so I actually took the Greyhound from Vancouver, Winnipeg to Vancouver. And I swore in my 20s I would never ever do that. I did it again in my 30s. And I got off the I got off the bus and I phoned my dad to find out my, how my grandmother was. And it turned out she'd passed away in the night. And so I, I didn't get a chance to uh, say goodbye to her. Anyway, my buddy picked me up from the Greyhound station, went, did a couple things, and uh, he said, you want to go for lunch? Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. Where do you want to go? He named the place, and we drove right past the restaurant. I said, John, uh, that uh, place you wanted to go to is right there. He goes, ah, we're going to go somewhere else. Anyway, ended up. He drove us straight to Seattle to go to a Seattle Mariners baseball game. I had no idea we were going to the game, and it was a last-minute road trip that I didn't even know I was going on. It was it was really cool. I actually caught a baseball. I've only caught one baseball at a major league game, and I actually caught a ball at that game. It was great. Ah, cool. There you go. That's right on, man. Cameron Porters, what about you? Um, yeah, when I went to when I went to Europe, backpacked through Europe for thirty-one days. That was. Uh, spur of the moment, I had found myself uh, without a job for a very brief amount of time, and I had some money saved up. So I said, "What the heck?" Uh, and I think I booked the, I booked the flight, and that's all. I just had the return, uh, the I had the the arrival and the departure uh, in and out of Gatwick in London, and that was it. And I I left I think four days after I booked the trip. I said, "I'm going." That was it. Four days later, I was off. Um, and I kind of planned what I was going to do while I was there. I had absolutely zero plans. I had no hostels, yeah. no buses or anything that booked. I just figured it out as I went along. And it, it ended up being the, the best best thing for it, right? Cool. Um, had a great time. Well, best time of my life, actually. The best time of your life. Oh, yeah. Is your wife listening? Uh, yeah, she is. <laughs> she knows it's not a secret. Okay. <laughs> um, without you, wife. Uh, Skylar Peters. Just got back from Hawaii, a jerk. Yes. <laughs> Last second vacation road trip for you. That had been planned for quite some time, let's just be clear. But uh, you know what? I, I've always said, just to follow up to Cam's thing, if I ever found myself between jobs, that I was I would always do something like that because it's hard to use like a whole year's vacation up on a trip to Europe or something like that. So if the bosses are listening, I'm not asking to be laid off, but uh, <laughs> if that ever happens, I would probably also go do something like Make that. Make it a <laughs> nice severance package. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> I hear Europe's expensive. Uh, no, I, uh, the only time I've actually, it's hard to, um, to do something on the spur of the moment. You have two jobs. So I've always kind of been a planner when it comes to trips, but when I uh, got invited to a bachelor party last minute, uh, last summer in Toronto, I just booked the ticket, and I think all it required was taking Friday afternoon off. Um, went to Toronto. We went to a Jays game. Uh, they got smoked. It lost like 10-2, which sucked, but whatever. Uh, and then we uh, played some golf out there as well. Uh, it was like a you know 48-hour rounded back. Took the, the backpack, and that was it, basically. Uh, had a heck of a time. 
Uh, and then I found myself in the airport for like 26 hours after some flight delays. So I actually ended up making it a three-day weekend. But uh, that was a great time and it makes me want to do stuff like that more because, uh, you know, never expected to do much with my July weekend or whatever it was. And it turned into uh, some memories I'll have forever. Right on, man. That's cool. And uh, Forte, you got one? Uh, I'm not a big road trip guy, but there has been a few times where, you know, I wasn't planning on going to the lake, but then I end up going to the lake anyhow. For example, this uh, this year, I uh, get home from work and I was filling in for Kyle Milroy, so I was working a nine to five. So I get home, it's like 5.30, go to turn on my sink and there's no water. And I was like, yep, well, I'm heading out to the lake. At least there's a working toilet there, you know? <laughs> Not staying here. <laughs> so on, on the road, I hit. <laughs> you just, just zipped out to the cabin. Down. Yeah. Usually people come home from the cabin because the toilet there is not working. But you, you opposite, went the other way. Opposite this one. <laughs> I just got a text from my wife, so she does listen. Uh, she said, the best time of your life, question mark, question mark, getting robbed the first night in London, sleeping in communal rooms, <laughs> destroying your feet, wearing the wrong footwear. Sleeping in airports, that was the best time of your life. <laughs> Those are all true. Those are all true. What, what kind of footwear were you wearing? Oh, sandals. He's wearing sandals. No, I no, bet. no. I was wearing the worst possible shoes. They were flat. They had no arch support. I had to take a 25-hour a bus ride from Amsterdam all the way to Prague, where it stopped a bunch of times on the way just because I had to heal. I had to heal my feet because they were that in bad condition. Like, my whole legs were uh, just completely destroyed. And I had to just like, I just literally have to sit for 24 hours so my body can heal. <laughs> did it work? It did. It did. Yeah, it did. It's it right. a bad strategy, though. It's really bad. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week. Mackling is in Hamilton. And Saturday night, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers captured their fourth straight Victory in the CFL's Western Final. That meant flipping the switch on the plans created for this week. It's Grey Cup week. Yeah, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have dozens of people to move to Hamilton from all over North America, Brett. For us at CGOB, we put our plan into action. And for many fans, it meant perhaps a scramble for flights and hotels, not to mention game tickets for this Sunday's Grey Cup. Last year, of course, the game was in Regina, just a six-hour drive from IG Field to Mosaic Stadium. Thousands of Manitobans made the journey west. But it's a little bit further to head east. It's 2141, that's 2,141 kilometers from IG Field to Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. So just jumping in the car for this year's Grey Cup would just be plain silly, right? Well, not for our next guest. We say good morning to Willie Reevely. Willie, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. So where are you at right now, Willie, and who are you with? I am with my buddy Terry. Uh, we are about half an hour outside of London. We crossed the Ambassador Bridge coming from Detroit about an hour and a half ago, and we are about an hour and 45 minutes from Hamilton. When did you leave Winnipeg? into this drive. When did you leave Winnipeg? Uh, we left Winnipeg at about 8, 8, 8.30 yesterday morning. So we've been based on the road for 23 hours, you know, with our stops for gas, a little bit of food. Uh, stopped in Chicago, went to the United Center, Wrigley Field, Soldier Field, Deep Dish Pizza, uh, quite first in Chicago, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, so you made the most of it, Willie. Uh, was this your plan all along? If the Bombers made it to a cup, to the cup, or was this a last well, honestly, minute plan? Honestly, I was looking at flying, but I was not born unless the Bombers were in it. Uh, when I looked last Wednesday, flights were about two fifty flying into Toronto. Unfortunately, with no swoop, there's no direct flights into Hamilton anymore. Unless you drive to Brandon, you could fly to Hamilton, which is ridiculous. There's no place from Winnipeg to Hamilton. Uh, once the Bombers won Saturday night, the West Jet, the flights went up to double to triple the price. My buddy Terry was planning to drive the entire time. Um, I had to work, maneuver some holiday time because I work in education. So I uh, couldn't, couldn't fully commit until I got the okay from my school. Division, which, you know, bless their hearts. I'm going to give a plug to Louis Real School Division for allowing me to take my vacation time um, to, to take this adventure and this drive with, with Terry this week. So, did you go to the gym for a workout last night? Uh, well, you know, you, you got to tag when you go buy it. I mean, we were in the parking lot. So, I mean, that's me. That's 
That's a gym, is it not? <laughs> I mean, I could probably go to the gym for a ten. So I'm thinking, like, if I pull in the parking lot, does that technically count as a workout? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, it definitely have counts you as a visit in, for you. Chicago? Have you been in Chicago? You're running for your darn life. That's a workout. Oh, that's great. So I, I've been following you on Facebook, and that's how we connected, Willie. I noticed you, you swung by one of my favorite places on the planet, Wrigley Field. You mentioned you, you went through by United Center and Soldier Field. Uh, the United Center, I want to be kind, not in the best neighborhood in the world. Well, let's just say, I'm going to say, Terry was driving at the time. We're looking for these statues to go have pictures with them. We take a turn, and we're right into a homeless encampment. We're like, what the heck did we get ourselves into? We're like, roll up the windows, lock the doors, let's make a quick U-turn, and we went to the other side of the United Center. Uh, they just finished a Bulls game about an hour before that, so we missed the Bulls game adventure. But it was quite interesting. We did not get shot at. There was nothing too bad. Um, but we did have a lady. I don't know what was happening, but we had a lady walking in between traffic, going in between cars at the beginning. That was uh, interesting. But, I mean, that happens in any city, so that's not just, you know, Chicago. That can happen anywhere. Right. You can deny restroom access because it's not a service. I don't know if it's because we're Canadians wearing bomber gear, but, hey, you have to take a leak on the road, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, Willie, when you get to Hamilton, where are you guys staying? I've got friends. i got friends and family, so I'm staying with them. Terry, he's, he's got a hotel. They're staying. What hotel are you at? The visitors in. So that could be another exciting uh, trip uh, experience for Terry. And we're also we're also celebrating John Couture's 50th Great Cup in Hamilton. The one year that it was canceled would have been his 50th, but this will be his 50th Great Cup appearance. John Cooch Couture, I think you know him, Greg. You've had him on your show before, and we're looking absolutely. Uh, I look forward to, to, to meeting you guys, uh, connecting with you guys, and it's always, it's sort of a rite of passage to, to hook up with Cooch and, and to uh, relive some of the Grey Cup memories. Uh, and so, guys, thanks for doing this, and uh, I commend you for your loyalty to the blue and gold. Uh, I've done a lot of drives to see a lot of different things, and, and this one might have been too far out of the box even for me, so uh, bravo to you, fellas. Well, you got to remember, you know, right now the roads and the weather is on our side. The temperature's been 15 to 15 degrees. I've actually can honestly say I've worn shorts the entire trip. Um, <laughs> you know what? The roads are amazing. So had the weather been different, I probably might have just paid and flew out there. The Hamilton bus service, they came to a tentative agreement. So now the strike is over right now. So that makes it a little easier for people that don't have vehicles. But then again, we, we may make some money at the same time doing some Ubering out in Hamilton. Might as well, you know, have a business at the same time. All right. Well, boys, hey, listen, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll look, we look forward to hearing more from you when Greg and you hook up in person. That's Willie Reevely alongside Terry in the road or in the car on the road to Hamilton is part of a kind of a last second road trip. If you want to win tickets to see Foreigner, you got to tell us about a last second, last minute road trip or vacation. Greg, what does Steve say? This is sort of on a whim. Our family are big U2 fans, and a couple of weeks ago, they added more dates to the Sphere in Las Vegas. Sidebar, Julie Buckingham went to go see that concert. Wow. Said it was spectacular. I've seen a bunch of people from Winnipeg have gone down, Brett. Apparently, it's incredible. So Steve says, I threw my name in the hat to get tickets, thinking I wouldn't, but I did. So now we scrambled to figure out the logistics and it should be finalized today with the travel agent. Steve says after many price increases and flight changes, LOL, <laughs> that is really neat, Steve. Right on, man. And if you haven't seen this thing yet, you got to do yourself a favor and just look up the sphere and both inside and out. It, it's got to be the, the, perhaps the greatest Concert, or not, well, I shouldn't say greatest, but easily the coolest, most futuristic concert venue of all time. 
it holds 18,000 seats. Like if you've ever been to uh, Toronto, to Ontario Place, or to Vancouver, the uh, Expo, I guess it's the Science Center now, those big golf ball-sized things, this is like multiple times bigger. It costs $2.6 billion to build, millions of LED lights. They can light up the outside. It's a one of the best screens ever created. It's Oh, Brett, I'm so jealous of anybody who's gotten to see this. Not only just the tech, but I love you too as well. And when Julie went, guess who showed up on stage? Lady Gaga. So she got a twofer a little bit. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's fantastic. How killer is that? I keep waiting to see if they will change the uh, the outside to the Death Star. Because they can change the outside <laughs> imagery, right? Anything they want. Of course, Super Bowl is there this year. And I think it's half, I think for half a million bucks, you can put on whatever, you know, within reason, whatever message you want. And then this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, is the F1 in Las Vegas. So you're, if you're even mildly interested in that sort of thing, seek that out on TV. That'll be an absolute spectacle. And I suspect the sphere will be a uh, right uh, big part of that as well. So Steve, thank you for sharing that. And then Jeff weighing in saying my spur of the moment trip involved my wife and I making a list of 15 road trip vacation bucket list things to do each to celebrate our 30th anniversary. We left one day later. We drove to Kentucky, the Bourbon Trail, stopping in places along the way to get the list done. And then we drove to Nashville on a whim and caught a Johnny Cash tribute and uh, took off more stuff on the list. And then we drove back a different route listening to 80s rock much of the way, including, of course, Foreigner. So, Jeff, nice little plug at the end to try to inch your way towards getting those Foreigner tickets. But that's that's... That's a fun, sounds like a fun trip and kind of romantic, hey? Oh, yeah, and that part of the world under underestimated uh, in terms of its its beauty and Nashville is right at the top of my list. I have to get to Nashville sooner than later. Have you ever been there, Brad? No. No, I've been almost nowhere, <laughs> Greg. <laughs> I'm boring when it comes to my travel experience. <laughs> okay, well, let's go to Nashville for a Jets game. We'll go have some fun. Well, let's see if we drink can... Some, drink some bourbon. I... See if we can make that happen. I hate bourbon. I hate it just, so much. Just Okay, well, you can, ha- you can have rum. I'll have bourbon. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And uh, we'll just sneak in one more here before we uh, find our next qualifier. Navy says... I visited my cousin in T.O. the last week of August of 1976, asked him if he wanted to fly back to Thunder Bay with me, and then drive out to Vancouver for a cup of coffee before college started on Tuesday. So we flew back to Thunder Bay on the Friday. From there, we drove to Vancouver for coffee, turned around and drove back. We made it back to Thunder Bay Labor Day Monday, where he caught a flight home to Toronto to start a class at Ryerson on Tuesday morning, and I started class at Confederation in Thunder Bay. This is back when gas was cheap. Oh, too bad they didn't have GoPros back then. What a trip that would have been to document. I'm sure they had a blast. I want more details, Navy. Greg, where are you this week? Well, I I don't even want to tell you where I am in fear of retribution because... It's going up to 13 degrees here in Hamilton. We're here for Grey Cup, and uh, the weather forecast is, I mean, it's been spectacular here for the last several days. The Blue Bombers were practicing in, in shorts on on Monday, 13 today. We're expecting rain tomorrow on 12 degrees, much cooler Saturday, 4 degrees, mix of sun and cloud. And the forecast for Sunday has been bouncing around quite a bit, and it's back up to now Eight degrees and sunshine for Great Cup Sunday. So it should be a perfect day for a championship football game. Can't what wait. Heck, eight degrees for Great Cup Sunday. Yeah, baby. 
Okay, so that's uh, we'll have much to discuss on the Great Cup through the morning, through the day, and through the coming days on 680 CJOB. And uh, just a question of the day follow-up on yesterday. We asked you about grocers. Canadian grocers Loblaw and Metro announced their profits rose again this quarter versus the same quarter last year. How do you feel about this? And so far we've got 60% who say the stores are gouging us. 21% say it doesn't matter. We have to pay what they charge. And 19% say inflation is raising wholesale prices. Makes sense. You can still cast your vote on that at cjob.com but we are going to be in moments in the process of updating that to road trips what's your favorite reason for a road trip is it a concert a sporting event sightseeing and attractions a family gathering or other you'll be able to cast your vote on that at cjob.com and we're asking you about last second road trips because a lot of you might be making a last second road trip to hamilton like greg did and uh, what does carol have to say on that greg we're going back to 1974. Carol says my parents decided to go to Detroit Lakes two days before. Uh, we said, could we each bring a friend? Four kids, four friends. Ten people in the middle of summer, no reservations. Two cars got uh, there, split up on Lakeshore Drive, found the best place with the pool. Still talk about that trip, by the way. The exchange was in our favor back then. So you got to love when you go to the States. And you don't have to worry about the exchange rate. That's a that's a double bonus. And Detroit Lakes, by the way, is not near Detroit. It's in Minnesota. Uh, for those, I had to look that up. <laughs> like, that's, that's quite the quite the last second trip to drive out there. But yeah, it's really not all that far. Um, so we'll pick a winner for a foreign t- foreigner. Pardon me, foreigner tickets up for grabs. We're asking you for those last second road trip stories for a chance to win those tickets. We'll pick that winner at nine fifteen. Oh, and by the way, Jeff Forte. Uh, we found our net latest Parks and Rec qualifier just before Global News at 8 o'clock. Who is that qualifier? Well, that qualifier is William Moffitt. William Moffitt, congratulations. Your next chance to qualify on Connecting Winnipeg this morning with Hal Anderson. Right now, we want to talk about something that is an ambitious plan that would transform Winnipeg's core. The Exchange District Biz has unveiled its community investment strategy. It's a development plan that's been in the works for more than three years. Global's Iris Dick has more. When you see the Exchange District really come to life, it's when you've got thousands of people walking around. 25,000, in fact. That's how many people Exchange District Biz Executive Director David Pensado wants to see living here in the next 20 years. There's a lot of rigorous economic analysis done. The stuff that's being proposed is all very doable, and it's all stuff that we know uh, will spur the kind of development that we're looking for. The strategy divides the neighbourhood into seven precincts, each with its own design and development goals. They're all connected with a focus on transit, pedestrian corridors and cycling routes. Surface lots and spaces like the area around the concert hall and MTC would see residential development and street beautification. I don't think it's out of the realm of imagination to see this all filled in within the next uh, 15 years. Other projects include shared streets along Albert and Alexander and a bridge connecting the Alexander docks to Whittier Park across the river. In all, the strategy projects $103.5 million in new revenue and $9.3 million in new property taxes for the city each year. The strategy would incentivize developers who build and renovate according to the plan. And while it seems ambitious, Exchange District entrepreneur Josh Giesbrecht says it's a start. I remember seeing the plan for the Human Rights Museum when it first came out and I felt the same way. Like, this feels so out of the question. Uh, but you need a plan to get towards the goal. His store, Ashdown Market, serves the roughly 4,000 people who live in the Exchange now. I think this is the most comprehensive plan we've had. But for it to work, everyone has to be on board. Pensado says buy-in from all levels of government and business owners is key. In terms of promoting growth and in terms of sustaining um, activity in the area, that the infrastructure be maintained. There could be action on the strategy soon. It will go before the Standing Policy Committee for Property Planning and Development next week. If that's approved, it will move on to the Executive Policy Committee and then go before City Council for a vote on December 14th. Iris Dick, Global News. This feels exciting, Brett. I can remember when Waterfront Drive did not exist. That was basically parking lot. It was vacant land between the East Exchange and Stephen Juba Park. 
and the riverbank. The the city, I believe the number was, and you can correct me if uh, you know differently, listener, but I think it was about a $9 million investment to build Waterfront Drive, to physically put it in place. And when you see the you know the hundreds of 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 living units now either condos or apartments that have built been built in the last 20 years in the east exchange i know you hear thousands and you hear that number 15 20 25000 people just imagine what that east exchange looked like two decades ago and then imagine that the same sort of development could happen in the next 20 years and maybe even more last night that was the first thing i noticed when Went to an event in downtown Hamilton. They are building condos everywhere downtown, apartments. And I can tell you, downtown Hamilton right now has much the same vibe, if you're picking up what I'm throwing down, as downtown Winnipeg. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. Greg's on TV right now. He's on TV. He's on Global News Morning talking to Gabrielle Marchand. So we'll just wait for GMAC to come back. But in our next segment, just a heads up that Milt Stiegel is going to join us live to tee up the deadline, the final deadline, midnight tonight, HSC Millionaire Lottery. Tonight's the final deadline. You'll want to make sure to get your tickets for that. We can tell you that uh, this thing is almost done. Like we've got, uh, could, it could sell out today. Over 96% sold. Only single tickets remain. The 50-50 is over $1.376 million and should top $1.4 million by end of day. So Milt Stiegel is going to join us more with more on that. And we got to talk. We got to ask him about the football game. About the Grey Cup. That's where Greg is. He is in Hamilton right now. Hello there, Greg. Morning, Brett. I'm trying to track down some more of that Tiger Town lager. I think I'm going to bring it home for you, man. It's an easy drinking beer. And because the Bombers aren't playing Hamilton this year, I don't feel guilty about drinking it at all. <laughs> I, 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 well, hey, good for you for for finding some local... Uh, beer for that's particular to Hamilton, and that's a great name. I like it just for the name alone, so I would love to give that a try. Um, so, listen, you're, I mean, you have been covering these Grey Cups now for a few years, so you get a rather unique experience. But even for people who are not football fans, Grey Cup Week can be a great time, right? Because you've mentioned who, like, who are some of the musical acts they've got lined up for this week? Carrie Underwood tomorrow night, or yeah, tomorrow night, tonight, Shaggy's performing following the CFL awards down in Niagara Falls. So that's just, you know, an example of two of the bigger names. Green Day, of course, is going to be the halftime performer. Green Day, some people scoffed Green Day 20 years late for that. Uh, Green Day is embarking on a huge U.S. stadium tour this summer. So Green Day's uh, best days have not yet passed, uh, in my opinion. I, I think Kiss filled Canada Life Centre last night. I don't know if, if Kiss has released a new song in, in, in this century. So, you know, people like their classic music. And so that's just part of what goes on here, Brett. You really, like, you really need to do this. You and Loren need to do this next year. We got to do this in Vancouver because you don't have to be a football fan. And if you come to Grey Cup with a football fan and just immerse yourself in it, you will, you'll want to come every single year. Always meet people that meet one another from across the country. And this is when they see one another. It really does unite the country. But the socials, like think of the best wedding social you've ever been to. And then imagine four or five or six of them in one building on the same night. Because the different teams all have their different social rooms and social halls. And they'll be going on at exactly the same time. And so you go to these hospitality rooms and you check into the, you know, Spirit of Edmonton or the Ryderville. And then you go to, of course, the, the Blue Bombers have their incredible uh, Blue Bomber social. So it's just an opportunity not only 
to, you know, get addicted to Canadian football, but it is pure Canadiana. And it's it's connecting with people, it's having a few beverages, and it's uh, whooping it up and sort of uh, leaving the world's problems behind for a few days. So, and and I guess this could also be a way for people to inadvertently become football fans, right? Like if someone says, "Hey, let's go to the let's go to the social," and you're like, "All right, sure, it sounds it's like a party, I'll go," and then maybe you get caught up in the energy that comes with the CFL, and then suddenly you're a, a bomber fan or whatever. Okay, so my friend Martin uh, works with my wife. Uh, bumped into him in Regina last year. He was with uh, his best buddy who lives in San Jose. They've been going to Grey Cups for years. Back in 2019, they dragged um, they dragged a, a friend that they met curling in California to Calgary for Grey Cup. And now it's going, her name is Daisy. It's going to be now Daisy's fourth straight Grey Cup because she's hooked. Nice. Comes from California every year. Never seen a Canadian football game until she was physically at the 2019 Grey Cup. Best example I could give you. Cool, man. Uh, so how much sleep do you anticipate getting over the next uh, little, few days? Little to none. Yeah. I, I don't know how you quantify it. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know what? There's nonstop events, and I'm doing my best to to capture that and to bring back that flavor. As they say, you know, when it comes to the lottery, the the St. B lottery or any of the lotteries, when when I share my story, I know I'm doing that on behalf of hundreds and thousands of Manitobans who you know have the same experience. And I really, genuinely, since I've been coming, you know, to the Grey Cup since 2019, I know I'm here on behalf of so many people who want to be here. So the least I can do is get out to as many things and try and bring that flavor back to them. And so, so it's, uh, it's an honor to, uh, to be here on behalf of, of folks that I hear from. And if you're here, if you're coming here, slide into my DMs, as they say, <laughs> either on Twitter or on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you. And, and everybody has a story as to why they are here. And I, I want to hear as many stories as I can. All right, and speaking of stories, by the way, reminder that we have tickets to give away for Foreigner. We're asking you this morning about a last-minute road trip or a last-minute vacation that you took. Shane Mason says in 2004, my friend's fiance asks if I can get work off to go to Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals in Calgary. She wants to do something for him as a pre-wedding gift. She bought two tickets to the game and airfare. So we fly out on game day straight to Melrose to pregame and then to the Saddle Dome. Game ends, back to Melrose, then the BP by the airport. We sleep in the airport with the green hard hats we bought and surprisingly got on the plane and made it home by 8 a.m. Such a great experience. How's that for a trip? Good trip, Mace. Way to go, man. I think that was, was that 03 when Calgary went to the final? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I took a Greyhound out there to be uh, out there for great game six and game seven. That was a great party on the Red Mile. Oh my God, it was fun. It is Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week. We have foreigner tickets to give away. We're asking you about last second road trips for a chance to win those tickets. And one of our runners up here says a few years ago, my son bought a rooftop tent on Kijiji from a guy in Dryden. I said to my wife, let's take a road trip and go get it. So we kept it. We left the next morning at 4 a.m. to drive to Dryden. When we got there, we realized it would not fit in the trunk of the SUV we borrowed from my parents. So we headed to Canadian Tire in Dryden to buy a roof rack. We were lucky enough to find one on sale for 100 bucks. We went back and got the tent loaded on top, stopped for supper on the way home, and got home around midnight. It was quite the adventure. Must have been quite some tent. No kidding. A rooftop, uh, rooftop tent? Like something that you... Put on your vehicle. I need to know more, unnamed listener. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think you can put it. It's yeah. like something you put over top of the, the back of a truck or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Love it. Great adventure. Yeah. But I think uh, I think you're, you you prognosticated this, Greg. We might only have time to read our winner's story. And uh, it is Dino. 
Dino is our winner today, taking us to the Olympics, the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City on Friday afternoon. I get a call from my buddy with an idea. I frantically got rid of my Sunday restaurant serving shift, and then three of us jumped into a Ford Escort and drove 24 hours straight to Salt Lake City. We wanted to be there for the Canada-U.S. men's gold medal hockey game. After multiple failed attempts to get a hotel room, somehow we ended up getting a spare room at a senior's home, $400 for one night in 2002 dollars. And as young university and college students, we could not afford the $1,000 plus tickets to attend the game. But we had a blast at the Canada House Pavilion watching with dozens of other Canadians. After a brief interview on Japanese TV about our travels, we jumped in the car to head home. We didn't give much thought to the fact we'd be driving through the Rockies in winter. About two hours out of Salt Lake City, Mother Nature reminded us. A winter storm was so bad that we could barely see the lights on the semi-truck in front of us. So we had to pull over in some small town in Idaho and spent the night there. All said from Friday afternoon to early Monday, we'd, we'd driven about 48 hours just so we could spend 24 hours at the Olympics. And I'm adding this, Dino, to watch the hockey game on TV. It's one of my favorite memories. That is an adventure and then some, Dino. Thanks for sharing, brother. It was tough to pick a win- It's always tough to pick a winner. So many great oh, gosh, stories yeah. this morning. We thank you for that. But Dino, you're going a foreigner. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off. Greg is in Hamilton this morning getting ready for the Grey Cup. And we have an incredible guest we want to introduce you to here. Just a wonderful crazy story of resilience in the face of adversity. But before that, because Greg has found now finds himself in Hamilton on what was a potential trip, but really ended up being kind of a last second trip. We asked you this morning about last second road trips, last second vacations. And Greg, you had flagged Howard's as one of our runners up. So I just wanted to make sure we got that in. Yeah. In March, 2017, the Tim Hortons Briar was being held in St. John's Newfoundland. Tuesday morning, watching the Briar on TV in Winnipeg. Thursday afternoon, I'm in St. John's. The George Street experience was great. Got to kiss the cod to become an honorary newfie. Got to see Brad Gushu win it all at home. Got bumped from my flight home, Air Canada. Got home Wednesday, Thursday's mail. There was an $800 check from Air Canada. Great experience. Oh, wow. Okay. So there you go, Howard. So thanks to all for sharing your road trip <laughs> stories. And now we want to share uh, in a different kind of incredible story with you. Imagine losing three of your fingers in an accident. Do you think you'd still be able to do the thing that you love? Like, for example, play hockey? I was chatting with a friend last week, and he starts telling me about his friend's son, who did lose three of his fingers over the summer in an accident, and is still playing hockey with the U18 AAA Winnipeg Thrashers. So we thought, we must learn more. Yeah, his name is Caden Delacruz. He's 17 years old. He is in school right now, so he's not available. But his mom had a break in her workday, so let's bring on Shauna Lounsbury. Good morning, Shauna. Morning. Morning, Brett and Thanks. Thanks so much for making time for us today. This is obviously just a terrible thing to have happened to your son. But I think this morning the goal is to to celebrate his resilience, but probably can't do that without understanding what happened this summer. Do you mind sharing that with us? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, In the middle of July, uh, two of my boys were... At, uh, at Grand Beach, and they were on a uh, side-by-side uh, sport utility vehicle, and um, it just it tipped over. Um, and uh, so my son, Caden, uh, was in the passenger side, and he went to grab the roll bar, and he missed it, and the uh, vehicle uh, toppled onto his fingers, and it severed uh, right there, three, uh, the pinky, the ring finger, and his middle finger. Um, and, um, and so... Uh, <laughs> He had to kind of wait out there for about an hour before an ambulance came. And we, we weren't there, and we got the call. And it's, it's pretty hard to, um, as a parent to, to listen and hear. The first thing you say, no, no, that can't, can't have happened. It's that split-second moment. And so I 
Caden got transferred to um, Children's Emergency, and, and we went there to meet him. And he's in the uh, he's in the the room, and uh, his hand is all uh, um, bandaged up, and and so the reality hits that he did lose three fingers. Then there's a the hope that you know maybe they can put them back on. Um, so you wait around for a couple hours, and um, and then find out that they can't can't put them on either. And my other son, who who was driving, was pretty um, pretty pretty you know struck as well with what happened, and so you're dealing with with both of those at the, at the same time, and. You know, when they um, when they determined they couldn't put the fingers back on, Caden was so strong. Um, you know, his brother was in the room, and and it comes to the realization that you know this is this is the way it's going to be. And and they're typical kids. Um, he's asking the doctor to airdrop his uh, his hand before they uh, they finish it up to show his friends, which I couldn't look at. Um, but he, they basically had to. Um, you know, bring down the fingers a bit more so they could bring the skin over. So he ended up with a, just a, a stub for a pinky, a stub for his ring finger, and um, the lowest knuckle uh, down is what he has of his middle finger. So he was let out of the hospital that day and, and kind of, you know, he had already um, was hoping to go to Chicago for a tryout for another hockey team just to just to see. And so that kind of ended in his first comment that night too was, you know, what am I going to do about hockey um, it was on his right hand. Caden uh, is right hand dominant, but left hand for hockey. And so you just uh, said to him, you know, we, we don't know. You can't really, you know, think about that now. Let's just think about getting through tonight. And, um, and we, and, you know, he talked and the, and the next day, um, you know, he's up and, and it's pretty, pretty tough. It's like mourning anything else. You're mourning his fingers, but took about a week, but that even that day, the, the second day after it happened, he's like, you know, probably not a good thing driving his um, his car, which is a stick shift with his left hand. So he's already showing that he probably is pretty going to be pretty resilient about that. And, um, you know, he was changing his bandages by himself. He was on the, so he plays hockey. And within five days, you know, or like, you just want to get back on the ice and, and skate. Like you don't really have to hold a stick or anything. So there he is with his fingers bandaged up still, you know, we can imagine when you lose, if anybody probably can't imagine it unless it happens to you, but you have three bandages on fingers that no longer are there. Um, your hand, you can't grip and you're on the, you're on the ice with a glove on and you're, um, you're stick handling. I saw a video of what he was doing. I wasn't there, but it was just amazing. He, he couldn't even tell outside of, you know, he, he couldn't shoot, of course but just watching him um, after five days. And so he continued to, um, you know, get better. The doctors wouldn't let him do a full grip uh, with what was uh, remaining of his, of his fingers and then his hand for about six to seven weeks. So where that was brought us to the beginning of September. And he was on the ice um, um, throughout the summer without really gripping. So just doing what he could, but full equipment by probably the beginning of August, he had full equipment on. Um, and because we didn't know if he was going to be able to play hockey, uh, one of our friends is, is a coach of the U15 AAA Thrashers Blue, and he offered Caden a, a spot to be an assistant coach uh, with them just in case he wasn't able to get back to, uh, you know, high-level hockey for a while. And, uh, you know, Caden put so much time and effort in August, and as soon as the doctors gave him clearance, which was pretty well right before the long weekend, he was at the Selkirk Steelers um, camp the next day. And so he went to the prospects camp. Uh, he made it into their main camp. He made it into an exhibition game. Um, but he needed time to continue to, you know, rehab his, his hand and his fingers and get used to it. So in the meantime, my husband had kind of maneuvered a, a glove. We spent so much time researching, and, and we didn't really find a lot of individuals playing high-level hockey with, you know, less than 10 fingers. Um, we did find one other, and it was great for Caden to reach out just to understand the story, but there's not a lot of stories out there of high-level hockey with seven fingers or anything less than ten. And so we maneuvered a, a glove. My husband spent time um, doing that. And then, you know, Caden tried out for the Steelers, as mentioned. Um, and, you know, when he went back to the Thrashers, in between that, the, the hockey community is amazing. You know, all our family and friends, um, his teammates um, were right there. His friends were a big part of why he came back so quickly. Um, you know, they, they treat him just like they, they did before. He, and so nobody really, you know, the I can attitude is, is totally his attitude. 
And so uh, one of our, our friends knew the Jets equipment manager, and, and we also knew the Jets. And interesting enough, Paul Maurice also reached out to Caden and had a talk with him, and he had a great story too. So, you know, a lot of things down the, down the path. And then the Winnipeg Jets equipment manager did a, a different um, maneuver, his, his glove a bit more. So it's buckled at the bottom because his hand was falling out when he would go shoot, and it looked like a, um, <laughs> a drive off of a, a golf course. It would just go straight up in the air sometimes because he couldn't grip. So he buckled the bottom of his glove, and then he put a um, a, a buckle uh, on the outside of it that goes over the stick, um, and then it, it basically cinches his hand onto the top of his stick, um, and it allows him to basically have a very similar grip as he would if he had all five fingers. Um, doesn't allow him to get rid of his stick during a game, but uh, but it definitely um, had changed his shot and uh, and his ability to shoot and stick handle and he's still learning. I mean, it's we're in month four uh, of when it, since it's happened. His fingers take about a year to heal, they say. Um, so they're not. I mean, it's a, it's mental too. It, it's pretty tough to go through everything he's gone through. But you watch him on the ice, um, and you know, sometimes as a parent, you can always notice and and you can you can see the frustration sometimes after. But I tell him like. You're just amazing. It's it's month four, and look what you're doing. Um, you know anybody else out there wouldn't even notice that you're you're playing with seven fingers. You're playing high level hockey. You know he's played two exhibition games with the Steelers. Um, they've been amazing too. Um, Coach Hudson has been um, amazing with him and given him this opportunity. And again, he's you think about playing junior A hockey with seven fingers um, and being 17 years old. So um, he's. I told him. I said, you know, things happen for a reason you know, good or bad, why this happened, nobody knows. But what you do with it is, is totally the story that you can tell. And he, I said, you're a huge inspiration and you're so resilient. Um, I think the doctors and nurses made that comment as well. And so I said, that's your story. That's what has to be told. And that's what is going to matter. And so even being on the ice and his teammates, um, being a coach with the Thrashers Blue and, and you know, those 15-year-olds and how much they respect him and, and how the inspiration he is for them and the resilience and the ability to say, you know what, maybe I'm not the best today, but you know what, I could have been worse. He could have lost a hand, an arm, so you kind of go through all that. So it's been a crazy four months, um, and, uh, you know, I think if I had a crystal ball the day it happened, um, this is probably farther than we thought we would be at this point. Shauna Lounsbury, what an incredible story. Thank you so much for joining us to to tell us about this. You know, when I first heard about this, the fact that he, he was just right back out there, I thought we need to share this because I think a lot of people might think, well, that's an automatic, you know, sort of disqualification from, from getting to do the things we love. But uh, he, this is a real inspiring story and hopeful story. So thank you for sharing it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate um, you guys allowing us to share the story and you know, I hope you, more people, uh, you, uh, Scott Taylor wrote a really excellent article on Game On magazine about him. And it's not, you know, it's a hockey magazine, but it's it's not really a focused story solely on the hockey. But the inspiration impact, is, uh, perspective, the resilience that he has. And, and so that article has really gone a long way with just telling Caden's story. And I, I think that's the whole purpose of this is, is telling Caden's story. Shauna, we'll have to leave it there. We thank you very much.